You know, this is a tough industry. <laughs> Nobody said it was going to be easy. Well, maybe somebody did say it was easy, but if they did, they're probably kind of wrong. There is a, a lot of schools of hard knocks in travel healthcare. Today, we're going to talk to you primarily about not beating yourself up when you make a mistake. You're going to, and I don't care if you're brand new or you've been doing this for 20 years, you're going to make a mistake and you're going to be fooled by agencies and by managers. It's a tough gig you've signed up for or you've decided to stay with. We're going to talk about don't beat yourself up on today's edition of Travel Evolved. This is Travel Evolved. I'm Mark Holloway. Welcome to the episode, everybody. Excited for episode 86 to come into play. <laughs> I've been seeing this one come up on the horizon. Again, I always kind of peek and see. Um, obviously, I have a, a pretty big involvement in writing the episodes. There's a lot of them I take a second fiddle to. It depends upon you know if there's research has to be done and that sort of thing. But um, obviously, a lot of these, I, I go through them and say, hey, i got to make sure I understand what I'm going to say. And the outline. So this was one I was like, what, what, what are we talking about here? I knew what we were talking about because I was involved in the discussion of having it back so very, very long ago. The idea here, as I said in the introduction to this episode, is that this is not, I repeat, not an easy career choice that you guys have all chosen. You've taken what was already, in my humble opinion, a difficult career and decided to put it on steroids and make it even more challenging, hopefully because it's more rewarding for you in all the areas and all the ways we talk about here on Travel Evolved. Financial, the freedom, the flexibility, the lack of the you-know-what that accompanies oftentimes a permanent staff position at any facility. I always hope that the great absolutely outweighs the, the tough We've had episodes about the learning curve, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this one. What I'm trying to get at here on today's episode is that when you make a mistake, and you will. I mean, first of all, we all do, right? Everybody makes mistakes. Everyone's fooled or they make mistakes knowingly. It's part of the process. I believe very strongly that it is part of the learning curve in general. Sometimes you have to learn how to be better by making mistakes. And trust me, I have lived that fully. And there are oftentimes you start to go, why, why, why did this happen? What, you know? And a lot of people just don't think about why and never really learn from it. We're going to talk about that here. But what I'm getting at is I believe very strongly that you actually learn better and faster when you make a mistake, especially a painful one. As hard as that is to say, the more difficult the mistake is or the error or the tough lesson you're learning, 
I believe the faster you learn and the more concrete it is, you know, <laughs> impaled into you, hey, you goofed up. So before you go knocking yourself around, don't beat yourself up. It's important to keep that in mind, in perspective. The overall theme of today's episode is really going to be you are not alone. There are plenty of people that have done exactly what it is that you made your mistake in, if there was a mistake. And there's a bunch of people that are going to do the same thing or have dealt with the same thing coming up down the road. As this episode airs over the years, there will be hundreds of people that will hopefully learn not to kick their you-know-what, their own you-know-what, and not beat themselves up. So let's start off with some examples. And what am I talking about here? Like, let me back up. Before I get into some examples, I'm going to just drive this point home a little bit. Like I said, you guys have taken what is already a difficult career choice and now have decided to be your own boss to basically start your own business as a traveling healthcare professional. Have you had business experience before? Have you ever started a company before, even though it's, it's, it's what you would call a private company? Probably not. All of us had to start somewhere. There is a ton of things that are going to go wrong in your career, especially in this wacky industry, right? I mean, we already we already documented that. This is probably one of the strangest industries only because primarily, in my opinion, because hospitals and facilities are ran so differently than most other businesses. That's the truth. So because they're ran differently, it lends itself to when you've got businesses that I consider more quote-unquote normal, like an agency, Working with a hospital that does not run like the typical business, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I can explain that, but you guys get what I'm saying. It blends to form some confusion, some some chaos. And, of course, you also throw in the fact that it's temporary. It's all over the country. Your agency's in one place. You're in another place. You're going to hospital in a third place. It lends itself to some pretty serious errors and issues and things that, that you could knock yourself around for. So without further ado... I guess I could end the episode right here by saying, don't do that. Please don't do that because you're not alone, right? Let's talk about the wrong assignment. We did an episode very early on, my friend Melanie, and we talked about getting through a tough assignment. The reason we did that episode, ladies and gentlemen, is because so many people are faced with a tough assignment. You didn't goof up. Maybe you should have done some things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You may have wanted to interview a little stronger. You may want to ask some questions that maybe you were afraid to ask. You didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. You wanted to be chosen. You may have made some errors. But if you chose a wrong assignment for a variety of reasons, you got to be easy on yourself. It's going to happen to every traveler, veteran, or nubile alike. You get fooled out there. You get fooled by recruiters, agencies, and managers of facilities oftentimes will not tell you the things that you really should and need to hear about the assignment that they're pitching you. If it is a, how do I want to put this? If it is a very marketable and attractive assignment, you will probably be interviewing the, the manager more than the other way around. In other words, I should say, I should, let me say it backwards. I said that, I said that backwards. The manager can be interviewing you harder than you're interviewing him or her because they've got a list and a bunch of people that want this position. If they're struggling and they're desperate, let's be frank, they're going to just basically offer the job. You're going to need to interview them harder than they're interviewing you. And you got to kind of recognize that by looking at, you know, the position itself. You guys have enough experience and knowledge to know, is this something where I probably believe I've got a lot of competition 
Or does it seem like, you know, this place is probably not seeing a lot of me in front of this particular manager, which means I don't want to get sold. I want to ask and put them on the spot for some legitimate things. We were talking about floating or patient uh, age or schedule, all the things that are important to you, you want to be asking those questions. But what I'm getting at is you are still, regardless, all those questions being asked and answered and the interviewing process going on, you're going to pick a wrong assignment. So what do you do? The first thing is, obviously, you get through it. I, I think that's important. I, I, I've said many times that you can walk off an assignment. I still will tell you that's true. You certainly can. You will, you will absolutely burn your bridge with that hospital. You may burn your bridge with that facility or that system or that vendor, which is getting more and more serious. You probably would burn yourself with that agency, but we're kind of a dime a dozen. You know, the good ones aren't, but the average agency, I think, is. Again, if you've got a, a, an agency that pays higher than anybody else, you might not want to make them mad. If you've got an agency that has a lot of jobs, like the big ones, you probably don't want to make them mad. And if you've got an agency that has a lot of positions in an area that you always want to go to work in, geography, I'm talking about the you know, geographical location, you may not want to make them mad. Everybody else, you kind of can because literally they're all the same. That being said, I still believe you should try to do everything you can to get through an assignment. I mean, it just it it's going to start to bite you in the fanny. It's going to start to haunt you. It'll also be habitual. If you decide that you just you made a mistake on this assignment, you're going to bail out and get out of there. It's a, it's a bad idea. However, all of that being said, please know that no matter how strong of an interview you are, no matter how that how good you are at listening to that little inner voice that's telling you there may be something wrong with this assignment, that it may not be the right fit for you, whether you're reaching, whether there's a couple things that were discussed in the interview, like, oh, I'm going to ignore those because everything else sounds great and I really want to go to this place and I really want to make this kind of money, you're still going to be fooled or, or make an, an error in judgment on wanting a position or not wanting a position. I think that's a fair, I guess, assessment and, and thing to say. You can choose the wrong agency, right? I think that's one of the biggest ones. And not necessarily because, you know, you chose one that didn't pay the most. Let's say you, you, you thought you had the high paying, but, you know, oftentimes it comes down to your recruiter. I mean, I really do think most of us that are similar, especially the people that all do the same model and have the base of the same pay rate, there's not a lot of difference. So you can choose the wrong one based upon probably more often than not, the biggest difference is going to be your interaction with that particular recruiter that you're using, which means you could switch the recruiter. But when it comes down to it, the agencies themselves, there's not a lot of differences. So when I say, and I wrote down the wrong agency, I really probably should have written down the wrong recruiter. Because I believe that, like I say, if you were to put every agency on the, on the wall behind me and throw a dart at it, you're not going to see a huge amount of difference in how the agency is ran. You may see a pretty significant difference in the pay. You don't want to throw a dart on that one. But other than that, if you, if you feel like you've got the top company or companies, it's probably going to come down to your relationship with your recruiter, which is, again, why we believe that, that needs to become obsolete and something that we just shouldn't be. You guys shouldn't even have to deal with that. It should be, I want this job. I don't need to have a spin or a color put on the job. I want to look at it, look at the gross, be able to see what I'm looking for, and say, yes, that job is paying for me because I've researched the cost of living there, and it's the right shift, and it's got the right notations that I can click on and see all the different details with the job. I'm ready to go. So you're going to make those kinds of mistakes too. 
I think one of the biggest reasons we put this episode on the on the chart, so to speak, is for terminations. And like I said, we've done a number of episodes. We have, I think, a total of three, whether we've done all three. We haven't done all three. I don't know if we've done one or two. But there are a total of three different types of being terminated episodes that we have because there's three different kind of very specific reasons and feelings for being terminated, whether you're walking out or the hospital's walking out. We've done a couple things about that. Regardless, let's just say, well, I guess I should say regardless. If you're walking out, you're not going to beat yourself up. But if you are, in fact, terminated, I think this particular part of this episode is the one that I want you to pay the most attention to. Listen, we just went through a period of time about nine, ten months ago. So in the spring of 2022, late winter, COVID was all of a sudden basically, and, I'm, and again, I don't mean to make people upset, but I mean, I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm giving you broad examples. Basically, the crisis staffing portion of COVID was over like that. It's what it felt like to, to me, at least. It felt like all of a sudden, every top paying, I'm sorry, top billing, let's make it sure I'm saying speaking right, the top bill rates across my board were getting targeted for terminations because they were expensive, sometimes really expensive, $200 plus an hour for the, for the facility. So... Very, very strong healthcare providers were basically getting pink slipped, so to speak, getting terminated out of the blue. For uh, you'd love to say it's because our census is dropping, but I'm telling you, the, the, the reasons that they were being terminated were across the board. That also included people that had been booked and signed and were ready to go onto contracts that they found a way to eliminate that need before they got there. I will say this, most of my facilities, most of my vendors honored a booking once it was signed, sealed, and delivered. But if the person, the the traveler, was having difficulty with credentialing and they were potentially being pushed, I did see a couple of those as an excuse for not having them come. I had one or two people that there was something, there was a, a couple of scratches on a license that normally would have been fine, and trust me, they were taking everybody during the height of stuff. But one gal was like, had had pacified and solidified what was not a a very um, how do I want to say this it was not as serious at all of a, of an issue on a license that had been totally satisfied but this particular hospital up in Maine said oh we can't have this now and it wasn't because of what was on her license I'm I'm not that naive it was because she had a, like a hundred and sixty five hundred seventy five dollar bill rate where the new positions were coming up because lo and behold after she was said we can't start with her because she's got this really drastic thing on her background they re-released the position at like 145 which is still strong but it was a significant difference i want to say 30 dollar an hour difference in bill that's crazy that's ironic well who would have thought that it would just be so coincidental that you wouldn't need this traveler and, you know, she wasn't able to come, but, boy, right away, and you were lucky that the timing was good, so the next time you released a position, it was 30 bucks lower bill rate. I don't buy it. There was a lot of that happening. There was a ton of people that were not extended because of that same reason, and it bothered a lot of travelers. We had already had this episode written down, but it really became very apparent that there was a ton of men and women who were traveling healthcare providers 
that needed to realize that they did not need to feel bad at all about their clinical ability, about their work ethic, about their ability to get along well with others. It was baloney and garbage. They were being terminated to save the hospital money and to reduce those those crazy bill rates. And I understand, by the way, I'm not beating up the hospitals for this. I understand why they were doing anything they could to try to save money. I just wish, as I've said many times here, that they would have been more upfront and honest about the reason why. Just tell us, hey, this is no longer an appropriate rate. The rates have dropped. I got a hospital that does this all the time. They've done it two out of three times so far. That they will put a rate out there as a bill rate. We will accept it before we're even done with credentialing for no other reason. They've said, hey, the new bill rate is this. Let us know if your traveler still wants to come. I think that is horse you-know-what. Because what they've done is they've locked that traveler into this position. That traveler has stopped interviewing and paying attention to any other position, and now a week or two before they're supposed to start, they're now having to, I guess, settle for a reduction in rate. I think that's one of the worst things that, that I've seen. It happens to only be one facility that's doing that currently that I've noticed. Um, and if they do it a third time, because I've got somebody in credentialing right now, I'm going to call them out and say, this, is, this, is, this isn't okay. Both travelers happen to agree to it, but that's, that's a horribly tough conversation to have to call and tell somebody, hey, this is what they're doing. But you got to. You have to tell them the whole deal because it's not the agency, it's the facility. And I, I did. I threw that facility right under the bus because it was their bus that they were driving, not mine. Turned out those first two people said okay, but it wasn't very fun to have that discussion. If they do it a, th- a third time, so far they have it, knock on wood, I am going to call that vendor and say, hey, I'm calling you out of this facility. You, your account manager that's handling this facility has to tell them to knock this off. We're not going to submit any more to that if they do it another time. But you may not want to. You may want to call that facility and say you got to stop because every agency like mine is going to stop recruiting for that. Not that we recruit, but you stop putting people in front of those jobs and take them completely off your app because you don't want people to see it because of what you're doing. It's 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 unethical and it it puts the traveler in a bad position. I'm off on a tangent. But what I was kind of getting at was that they did honor the rates for, I mean, overwhelmingly they did. I mean, way high percentage, which I thought was surprising. However, once someone got to work there, there was no guarantee they were going to be able to stay. And I think as we move further into the spring, more and more travelers were being eliminated or terminated, and the jobs would, would sometimes not be there anymore. In other words, let's just say you had a medical surgical need and you had seven or eight of them going at your facility at any given point during during the crisis staffing era that we were in. And you got rid of the top four of those, half of them, let's say. And you reposted, but maybe you only needed two more because the sense of the hospital was dropping. So you reposted only two positions at a significantly lower rate, and you eliminated those two. So you basically saved your facility a couple of hundred bucks an hour from you know maybe two travelers and maybe even more like 300 bucks an hour because you eliminated two positions and reduced some by a significant amount. That adds up. 300 bucks at 36 hours a week and 13 weeks. I mean, you're talking about a decent chunk of change for that department to have to add into their budget. So they were Israel. Like I was about to say earlier, and I'm kind of all over the place tonight, but I do understand why hospitals are doing it. I just wish they would have done it in a, in a better way, in a better manner. So... We talked a lot to our travelers internally and said, you know, you can't let this bother you. And many of them, you know, went on to go on to different assignments. 
Some of them were done with traveling. We knew they were just kind of temporary. They were just jumping into it for the money. When the money left, so did they. So that's how I, I knew from firsthand experience that the census and the population of traveling healthcare providers was going to continue to reduce. Some The people just were in it for the money temporarily, and, and that was the only reason, and it was because it was ridiculous, couldn't stay in it. The ones that had families, the ones that could not resist being a traveler because the money was so darn high, were the first ones to say, hey, it's not high enough. It had to be this high for them to, you know, leave school-aged children, let's say, for example, or leave a facility they loved. It had to be ridiculous where they could no longer ignore and say, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired of hearing about this traveler my unit that's making, you know, literally $10,000 a week. I'm going to go do this. And the minute it wasn't $10,000, they are like, well, I, this doesn't justify it. Even if it's 5000 for a lot of people, that wasn't enough justification, as you guys well know, for a person to continue to travel or certainly to get into it. There are people out there that I don't care if you're offering them five grand a week as a, let's say, an RN. It's not enough money for them. It has to be higher because their their lifestyle and what they have at home does not lend itself for them to be gone even a few days a week if they've been doing something relatively local. So it, it didn't matter. Point being, there was a bunch of people in that boat. There still are people getting terminated. I think because the hospital censuses are going so all over the place here still in early 2023. More, there's there's a seasonal envelope wrapped into this as well because we have an unknown coming up. And that is, and by the way, it is crazy weird. As I'm recording this, it is extremely cold in Denver and ridiculously warm in the state of New York. So we had a degree. I woke up this morning, it was negative one on my thermostat, which shows the outside temperature, so I know whether or not I need to, what I need to wear to the gym which is still usually shorts because I'm an idiot, which is exactly what I did today at, when it was five degrees out by the time I walked from my car to the gym or briskly walked, I should say. It was very, very cold. And yet the news is talking about incredibly unnormal warmth in, in New York. It just happens to be that band is going across the country. So the cool front's coming through. So it's going to be kind of wild to see, but the fact was is that there's a seasonal seasonality of this whole thing this year, which means how long is it going to be winter. I mean, again, this episode is going to be released sometime in the end of February, I believe. We're recording it at the end of January. We're that far ahead because I'm not going to be in Denver the month of February. So this will be recorded and aired while I'm hopefully in some of that really warm weather in the state of Florida. I just enjoyed a month of that, I'm hoping, in the state of Florida. I'm working, by the way. It is not a vacation. This happened to be locating there for a month to do some stuff with one of our really big vendors and get some more involvement there. My point being is that the unknown we have coming up is that how long is it going to be cold for? When is the season, the winter season, going to end? And if it, when it does, not if it does, but when it does end, how is that going to, what kind of bearing is that going to have on some of the biggest states that have the biggest typically population shifts, which means I always say Arizona, Texas, and Florida, but we're talking about states that, that are border bordering those states as well. Florida is the interesting one because it gained in popularity so heavily over the last couple of years. It is, I think, one of the fastest, it is the fastest growing state. Texas is very close, but it's hard to know the, the stats because Texas is, is much larger. Those two states particularly, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in in April or even late March, potentially. Again, if the winter is shorter and it starts getting nicer, and in fact, the population that is transient, typically retired, starts heading out and north, 
is that going to mean? I mean, what's that going to do for the number of jobs that are in those areas of the country? And then, in fact, are there is there going to be an increase in needs north? So it's the first time, in my opinion, this year, and I'll put this on record, I always do, in about, I guess, a couple of months from right now when you're watching this, it'll be very interesting to see how the warmer season is going to affect the total number of needs in the country because it typically has a little bit of a, of a lull because nobody wants to hire and it's like they don't want to hire down south and then they, they, they're waiting, waiting and all of a sudden, boom, they have needs. They don't, population spread out and it's usually a good spring and summer because there's lots of needs. It's all spread out throughout the country. Typically, the rates are not quite as high because you don't have that brutal, brutal cold, but it's still kind of all over the place. So only time will tell. We'll see what that looks like and how it goes. But point being, again, is that there are going to be terminations based upon census decreasing, which means when a hospital doesn't need you anymore, they're going to figure out a way to say, hey, we don't need you anymore, and we're going to terminate you. You guys have to understand that this is not personal. I want you to take a personal blame if there's something you truly did wrong. So don't confuse what I'm trying to say here in this episode as as you're never at, at fault. No, of course you are. There's things we talk about all the time here that, you know, again, I'm not always going to kiss your you-know-what. It has to be the fact that it's got to be a fair conversation. And travelers goof up all the time. They, they just do. But... If it's you and you know full well you didn't do anything wrong, then you just you cannot live in, I guess, uh, fear of keeping making mistakes. What I'm going to talk about here in a second is we're learning from those mistakes. So really, that's what we're talking about. We are talking about you getting through the learning curve of being a traveler, and let's let's break it down now. Let's actually take this to a new level. Every nuance of being a healthcare professional has its own particular learning curve. I think I said that learning curve episode. I talked about, yeah, it's a big curve and you have to learn how to get through it. But let's just talk about the, the numbers, the, the pay numbers. You may struggle with that. You may be somebody that really is still, you know, not, you're still, you know, I guess getting to a point where you're, 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 you know what you, how much you don't know. <laughs> on that particular function. But you're an expert when it comes to credentialing, let's say. You have no problem. You are awesome at that. You've learned from, from yourself and how to get through that, make sure you don't get, get delayed in your assignment. You're, you cruise in that. But let's say you struggle with some of the numbers. You struggle with understanding how it is this company's paying you. You understand, You struggle with, with, with some of the things we've talked about. Maybe you struggle with tracks advantage and that sort of thing. Okay, fine. But every nuance of your travel healthcare career is its own particular learning curve. So as you go through those, you're going to make mistakes. And like I said early on this episode, I believe very strongly that when you really goof up and it hurts, it's painful. Like you make a mistake, let's just say, with choosing the wrong assignment, it costs, maybe maybe, maybe it, it, you're just, you're struggling every day to go in there and you're unmotivated. You don't want to take any extra shifts. It's going to cost you. And let's just say the pain you're experiencing by going to that unit every day is really heavy on you. I'm telling you, by the time you get on that assignment, when you get through it, you're going to be really careful about being misled and you're going to ask some questions because you learned a harder way than if it just was okay. Does that make sense? The more difficult the lesson, the more humans, the more, more we do is we actually compensate for that. We say, I do not want to get that experience again. You, you see what I mean? Any, anything you're, you learn in life. <laughs> wow, I'm on a soapbox tonight. If the lesson is difficult, you tend to learn it faster. 
if it's like, okay, I, I didn't really, wasn't that much pain in, in that mistake, you, you might do it again a little more frequently, a little more easily. So that's kind of what I'm moving into. I really want to discuss real quickly is that, listen, one of the things that I try to do all the time is learn from my mistakes. And I've made a ton. Some of them were humongous. Some of them were small. Some of them have been small, and I do it every day. I mean, again, I could point out a couple of things in the last 24 hours that, not even business-wise, just mistakes I've made. So we've got to learn from those. And I think that's what you have to chuck up everything to is, all right, what happened? And what, if anything, can I learn from what just happened? Now, on some of the things we were talking about, on some of these terminations, I don't know if you can learn an awful lot except for to learn that this is not on you. But if, in fact, you were struggling with some personnel at a certain, you know, at a certain unit and you didn't enjoy that, that unit and you thought, you know, I probably could have been a little kinder. I probably could have kept continually to try to win somebody over that unit that was making my life difficult for me or a scheduler or who knows who that person could be. But if there's something you could say, next time I'm going to be smarter, I'm going to be better, I think you've just gained some better experience. And that's unfortunately... There's no way to get through that except for to live that and do that, if that all makes sense. I hope it kind of does. The point is that none of us want to make the same mistake if we possibly can twice. It's such, a, it's such an adage to say that, but we all do make the same mistake twice. Or maybe a similar mistake twice. But again, it's this is one of those that just just try your best to learn from your experiences and not to. Here's kind of the last thing I'll say about this episode. This isn't a long episode because I knew, I said, how much do I have to talk about not beating yourself up? How am I going to get 45 minutes of that? I'm not. But I will say this. One of the things I don't see enough out there is travelers on social media helping other travelers by sharing the mistakes that they've made with other travelers. You guys are kind of guarded about that. You don't necessarily want to sit there and talk about how you were misled by a manager or by an agency. I understand there's reasons why you may not want to call it out by name, but you could certainly ex- explain the experience. Like I've always said, and, and I've, I've kind of gotten frustrated by it, I think one of our best platforms and social media platforms in healthcare travel has primarily been Facebook, which I understand is an older platform, but it really did lend itself well to our industry. I think a lot of that's changed now. I think the value that we all used to get, and you guys primarily used to be the recipient of, was that helping of each other. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like the only help you're getting from any group is potentially complaining about facilities or agencies, which I, I do think is helpful, but it's just a it's there's no benefit besides just complaining. You have the majority of Facebook pages and groups are now just here's what we want you to throw memes at. So it's a recruiting tool um, and nothing else, which is one of the reasons why we want people to join Travel Evolve Facebook group and start to Tell a story. Hey, say, listen, just just happened to me. You don't have to necessarily name the name of the facility or the agency or whoever it was. But if you had an experience that you think other travelers should know about and be aware of, please feel free to go on there and share that experience on Travel. You will not get booted out. You will not get reprimanded for doing so. That's exactly what that page is supposed to be for. It's, it, again, is to help you help others get through a learning curve quicker. Sometimes writing down your own issue will help you make sure you solidify it in your own brain. But I would really appreciate if you guys would start doing that sort of thing on Trial of Oil. In other words, tell people some things to be wary of. If you think, man, this is this I didn't realize this, you know, I don't care if it's housing related or your trip or 
certifications or continuing education or something that you think could be of value to somebody else that says, I need to trumpet this to a couple thousand, three, four thousand people now that I think they should be aware. Man, that's exactly what I think we're missing in our social media. Right now, it's all about posting jobs from agencies, showing how much fun we have at the office and goofing around with the, from agencies, and then travelers, I guess, either beating up the agency's memes of the jobs they're putting out there. I see it all the time. Oh, this is ridiculously low. Well, it's not the agency's fault. I mean, it really it is and it isn't. But, I mean, that, that, you're not getting anywhere by sitting there saying, that's, that's a ridiculously low rate. Or, I can't believe that you're only offering $700 for housing in Hawaii. Well, guess what? That's what the GSA offers. It's not the agency's fault. I've seen that a few times in Hawaii. People, like, laughing at how much you're legally allowed to make tax-free in the state of Hawaii and beating up an agency for it. That's that's what they can offer. It's the, it's the GSA. Now, you can give them more in housing, but you're going to have to carve that out of their hourly rate if you want to. But most companies don't do it that way. So it's, I just think it's kind of crazy that that's become what social media is. Use Travel Evolved, the Facebook group, to start to throw some things out there. Help other people and share your experiences so that they're not finding themselves in a situation where they're trying to talk themselves into not being beat up. Okay, like I mentioned, uh, this episode is pretty short and sweet, but we're going to be recording. We did record a lot of these in advance uh, with the anticipation that we were not going to be in the studio for a while. And we didn't want to take a studio uh, down to Florida for a short period of time. By the time this one airs, the next episode, we should start to talk a little bit about what we've been wanting to do and planning for about three years. I know I've told you guys some snippets of, of what it is. I know you guys know what it is that we're doing. That's not the point. I'm not trying to promote next-gen med staff. I mean, I am, I'm not. I'm not trying to. But I do want to start talking to you guys about some of the nuances of what it's like to run and to form a company. I think forming it to start with, because it was pretty wild how this particular company came, you know, came into itself and what it took to, to, to get this going. But I think more importantly, once we start telling that story, and I'm telling you guys what was happening literally three years ago, and that will continue... I think you guys will, again, have a little bit of a decent appreciation for, I guess, the people on our side of the desk. And I think that's, it's, it's just, it closes the gap a little bit. It makes, it makes it more human. Not everybody's out to get you. Not every company is out to, you know, put it to you. They, we want your business. But I think a lot of us want it in an ethical fashion. And we want to win because we carved out more of that pie to you. And we made the ability to find us and to be submitted and to be credentialed and to you know get going to work faster and easier than the next guy or gal. There's nothing wrong with that. That's called free enterprise and it's called a, a great solid market and it's called innovation. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I'm excited about uh, outlining that. I'm going to start listening to the, the recordings that I was doing three years literally prior to that week and sharing those with you. Um, I'm not going to share the recording because I sometimes sound like an idiot, but I will, I'm going to listen to them and write down exactly what I was saying and try to share that with you guys with letting you kind of know how things kind of went into play. And it's going to start off by you know talking about me not wanting to be in this industry anymore because I was so jaded and so kind of disgusted with what I saw and just said, you know, it's a great opportunity to decide to do something completely different with my life. And then three layers, three years later, look at where I am and what I'm doing. I'm knee deep in this industry with you guys, and I'm really passionate about it. I will say this, and I've told you guys before: I have never been more excited about this industry. I've never enjoyed 
what I do as much as I have in the last few years. This has been a lot of fun. It's been tough. There's been some great times and some some tougher times, but I'm so happy to and very proud to be where we are today. And the future looks fantastic because I do believe the industry is changing and evolving into a little bit more of a fine-tuned machine. It's gonna we're gonna drag some companies along with us. And some other companies besides myself have had the same similar ideas, but I, I just I loved what we came up with as a company identity and why, because I think it makes a lot of sense. There is literally no downside, and it's fun to share this stuff and talk about it. And we're going to talk about the naysayers in the industry and some of the some of the times when I felt very uh, jaded and and discouraged about you know the idea. I may have loved it, but I, how do I how do I portray this to everybody else? How do I get this out there? How do people see and go, oh my gosh, where's the eureka moment going to happen? And will it happen for the average traveler? And and just kind of the thought process behind it. So excited to talk about that. And I hope you guys had a really great month of February, if this all works out the way it's supposed to, timing-wise. hope I did, for sure, as well. But, uh, guys, I really do appreciate it. So this one was kind of a little bit convoluted. I struggled with this episode. I'm just going to be frank and tell you. But the concept is understand the, the difficulty of the industry that you're in and the difficulty you put yourself in as a traveler. You have made a tough career tougher. So be easy on yourself when you when you have a when you do something that may not be exactly perfect because you, you you got such a great opportunity in the future. Don't blow up by beating yourself up too hard about what happened in the past, guys. As always, I appreciate it. I'll catch you next time on Travel Evolved.